1: What are you doing? Whoa, whoa! Whoa, Red Bull. <laughs> what are you doing? I'm getting a Red Bull. Why? It's 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 late at night. I don't know if that's true.
0: It's time to get high on Red Bull and play some Bioshock.
1: Alright, it's 9.15 at night.
0: Check <laughs> <Jackass>. it
1: <laughs> And uh. scattered is just <laughs> Very confidently, cracked open a Red Bull so that she can try to finish Bioshock Infinite I feel tonight. Like
2: probably get way better at video games when I'm drinking Red She's Bull. She's
1: mad because I am ahead of her in the game,
2: which is bullshit.
1: And that does not stand.
2: <laughs> no, it absolutely does not stand.
1: Come see me in Denver, <laughs> May second, third, and fourth, and then uh, I'll be at uh, Comedy Works in Denver. And then the week after that in Helium in Portland, and then in London. Uh, on the 15th, I think, and the 16th at the Leicester Square Theater, and then I announced some dates in the fall at the Wilbur Theater in Boston, and then in, um, at the Carolina Theater in North Carolina, so go to Nerdist.com slash calendar for those for that business. I'd like to thank Stamps.com for sponsoring this episode of the Nerdist Podcast. Official U.S. postage is at your fingertips. It's like you're a weird postage wizard, and you can cast a mail spell. And inst- and then just print it. <laughs> Don't say anything. And just, <laughs> just print it. Just go with it. So a mail wizard. He's a mail wizard.
2: You just print them.
1: You you print them out. Yeah. And so what happens? Well, your printer is like a wand. Yeah. And it uh, prints them out.
2: Do you have to lick them?
1: No, no. You they're they're sticky.
2: Cause I heard a rumor that like stamps, if you lick them, sometimes they have bug eggs on them. So point stamps.com.
1: Yeah. So stamp. <laughs>
2: <laughs> stamps.com, bug free stamps.
1: <laughs> well, how come that's not their slogan? <laughs> the
2: Red Bull is kicking in already.
1: <laughs> <laughs> stamps.com is a special offer for Nerds Podcast listeners, which is $110 NORA's trial, uh, including a digital scale and up to $55 of free postage using the promo code NERDIS. So don't wait. Go to stamps.com before you do anything else. Click the microphone at the top of the homepage. Type in NERDIST. that stampscom And enter the promo code NERDIST. Hey, this podcast is a three-peat. It's Mark Maron. You've heard of him. Uh, Marin has his IFC show, which is premiering May 3rd, uh, which is a fantastic win for all podcasters uh, because... He has ported the podcast to a television show, Uh, and I actually have seen the first three episodes, and the show's good. So it's Friday, May 3rd on IFC at 10, 9 central, and uh, Mark's a lot nicer to me these days, although I really feel like, I feel like he tolerates me. I don't know if he really likes me, (laughs) or is a fan of my work. But he's... At least he's pleasant. So there. So that is a oh tra- dramatic improvement <laughs> yes. over oh, what, mayor, mayor. what our, our relationship used to be. <laughs> Which is me just saying, hey, how's it going? And then being insulted. So... <laughs>
2: <laughs> <The worst> I, <laughs> so here's the guy that might hate me. He might. I
1: don't know. But he's, he's nice to me now. He's, he's very nice to you. <laughs> he is.
2: He's pretty nice. He's really
1: nice to
0: you.
1: I like Mark. <laughs> but... Uh, I gotta say, I think this was the best conversation we've ever had. Here's the Nerdist podcast number 349. Yeah, 349. Just go with it. I'm going with it.
0: Yep. Mark Barron! Now entering Nerdist.com.
1: I don't know if we're going to be in the studio much longer.
2: Yeah, where yeah. Are we going to go? Meltdown. Meltdown taking really? over the annex. That's right. I heard about that. That's great. It's, I'm, I'm bummed that it's going to stick around because it's a cool spot, and he's put a lot of money into
1: it. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. He was he was going to give it up, and I was like, we'll take it.
2: What, what, yeah. What's that? That's the, the the little used
1: to be a Russian store right next to Meltdown. Yeah. No, no, no. no. no
2: it's, it's between that and the Russian oh, store. Oh, yeah. 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 It was a little, salon it was a store or store somewhere. space
1: that he had. And 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 Gaston took it over, and they were doing pop up shops there and stuff, and then. Yeah, but I think like Kevin
2: Eastman, the guy who Kevin Eastman created... who did
1: Ninja Turtles, and then um, and so I just found out he was going to give the space up, and so we just I think what's we're gonna a pop up it
2: shop? It's like a it's temporary like a, yeah. store, like say it's like an online store that right, like wants okay. to actually have a physical store for a moment. Right, right. Yeah. So and then the Rizzo like,
1: took over. It's like it's like half art, half art exhibit, half store. Yeah. Right. So, right. so but then
2: upstairs to, there's like a, a, a lounge with like scene a scene DJ room. setup where uh, the Rizzo was like streaming live DJ sets like every day for a month.
1: What a fun space! Yeah, but we're not here to talk about meltdown. Mark Marin's back on the pod. Third,
2: okay. this is your third appearance on is the it podcast. Third, is it the Repeat. third?
1: Repeat. Really? Is, is how many the, people have done that? Not the, Not you like Carolla, m- and maybe Adam Savage. And the, there's only like Lennon. and Tom Lennon. Yeah, Are we on? Yeah, this is happening. We're
3: always yeah. on. That's what it's people recording don't like about it. Yeah. <laughs> No, I mean, I understand that tactic. We've discussed this. Yeah. I, you just sort of ease into it. There's no preparation. No Mark, preparation. Be here because
0: this episode of Nurse is brought to you by Stamps.com slash yeah. WTF. Is it really? Yeah,
1: sure. Matt says that all the time. Use my promotion code, WTF, Stamps.com. Yeah, Matt
3: yeah. does that all the
0: time. Yeah, why good. not? He's been He's waiting. waiting. Sending
1: my way. He's
3: been fucking waiting. <laughs> do you guys do Stamps?
1: Or you yeah, we do Stamps. We have a, a, a long-running thing with Stamps. Yeah, but I All
3: right. Say, well, is I it a competition? Now, my Stamps running thing is longer than yours. You can have a longer-running thing. Nice. I am fine for you. I'm to exhausted have. and vulnerable, Chris. I don't I have no energy <laughs> I am fine to play this to game the stamp
2: stuff.
3: with you. Not today. I'm not going to sit here and get defensive and take shots at you so you can deflect them with your nerd jujitsu <laughs> and act like everything I say is just sort of like, well, Mark's got a problem. I'm not, I'm not going to do that today. Nerd today jitsu. is not going to happen. I have a lot on my mind. I'm tired. Yep. And, uh, you know, I'm just I'm, I'm here for you today. You're
1: you're exhausted by your own success right now, though, because.
3: Yeah, that's one way to put it. I, I, uh, <laughs> I, I, I maybe I should frame it like that. Would you frame it like that? I want you know, give me some Chris Hardwick advice yep. on how to deal with things going well. <laughs> Did he, just your,
2: <laughs> he just toss him your book?
3: He
1: goes, you know, you go, it's, I'll tell you, it's it's it's, it's I, I it's a very serious question to answer because you get into a comfort zone Where you feel like your brain, for whatever reasons, however you're formed, whatever influences you had when you were growing up, basically tells you this is a bubble that you should live in that you deserve. And if you fall too short of that, you get uncomfortable. And if you fall too ahead of that, you get uncomfortable. So it's fucking really weird to be successful and then not go and not subconsciously go, well, I have to dismantle that so I can get back to this place, this weird bubble of misery that I feel like I deserve. Right, or,
3: or the, the, the weirder thing is really when a lot of things are going on and everything seems to be lining up, there's a, there's that moment where, like, everything's going well for you, like, yeah, right now. Yeah, exactly. you're Like You're already like, yeah, wait till, wait till the wave crashes. <laughs> and <laughs> and wait right till, wait with... till the shoe drops. Yeah, You and know. I, I don't know. I don't feel like I'm so overwhelmed and so busy that I, I I'm really – I don't have much room for dread, which is a new thing for me. That's a good place. That's a good place <laughs> to be. People are like, You seem good. I'm like, got no time to to uh, panic. But right I will now. but I will
1: tell you that what will happen is you get into this and you may already be experiencing this, but you get into this place of momentum and you're going, you're going, you're going, and you're like, Hey, I'm kind of juggling all this stuff yeah, and yeah. it's kinda working out. Right. And then you'll get like somehow you'll get like three or four days off and then the momentum it's sort of like um it's sort of like being in a vehicle and then it slams on the brakes and then you're just like fuck you know you, yeah. you start to feel sick you start, like all the anxiety catches sure. up to you and sure. so you just got to be careful in those moments to be aware and go yeah this is my brain Trying to catch up on all the misery right. that I was putting up. Right? For so yeah, long. I don't feel
3: I don't feel miserable, and I'm glad you said slamming on the brakes as opposed to slamming into a wall because I can do that. Yes. Like <laughs> you know, in, in your metaphor or your analogy, there was a there was brakes being used. There, yes, yeah. you know, in my there's experience, to use in my experience it's like the car just stopped and I'm bleeding. Yeah. Oh, it's total. What you, did I do? You yeah. have the power or in this I? case
1: as opposed to something right. stopping yeah.
3: you. Yeah, yeah. Well, I also have the power to slam a car into a wall as well. Sure, right? full you know, speed. The, but no, things are, things are okay, uh, and things are, I'm excited, but you know, when you have a lot of stuff out in the world, and when things are about to enter the ecosystem of, of entertainment, yeah. there's that moment, like, I, you know, look, the book's done, the show is done, but it's not out there yet. Right. So then you're just sort of like, oh God. You're sitting on
0: it. What's gonna, how's this gonna come uh, at me?
3: You know, like, it's horrible that, that you have these things going out into the world, and that you should be excited about it. Like, I'm going to share this with the world, but me, I'm like, I better gird her up. Or whatever's going to come at me.
1: yeah well, because you 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 know for so many years you've sort of built up this armor. Expecting life is going to come at you at a certain What are certain you talking way? about, Chris? See, it wasn't. An,
3: it wasn't an attack. <laughs> mark. What does that mean? Why are you taking shots at me, Richard? <laughs> it's not her an attack. Mark. As he oh, i i I misunderstood the tone. <laughs> yeah. I, I, you're actually being helpful and sensitive. <laughs> How I are you just, doing today? How I, am I supposed to be doing? Yeah, I took that as a rock being thrown in my head. It's really important. I think even if you just take. Two minutes
1: a day to start conditioning yourself to be comfortable with where you are. Does that involve like
3: running? No, a lot? you don't
1: have to. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, run <No>. for two <laughs> minutes, Mark.
3: Even if Still you just—I got a kettlebell. That, that's nice. supposed to only Tim Ferriss. Yeah, but it, the problem with the kettlebell is just sitting there, and I'm just wondering how I'm going to hurt myself with. That's I, the I just... thing. The kettlebell. The that. kettlebell
1: is one of those things that um, that got trendy, and it's it's the idea of it's really cool. But if you don't do it exactly the right way, you'll fucking ruin your back. Yeah, yeah, I I, I can feel that. I can see that. Like when you see like people, I see people at the gym and they go all the way down and swing their back. I'm like, you're fucking
3: going
0: to squat. I I got a half hour kettlebell DVD along with my kettlebell Mm -hmm. and I did it. And uh, couldn't really move for about a week. Yeah, well, that and that might be you did it wrong. So let's get back two minutes. What do I do for okay. two minutes? Okay. <laughs> so th-
3: this is this is
1: a thing, and, and I'm not saying I'm 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 not saying I'm amazing at it. I still I still get overwhelmed a with lot with kettlebell. Not with a kettlebell. I still get overwhelmed a lot, and I still feel like oh, I don't want to ruin everything, and I get protective. But if if you can stop. And say, like, I'm going to release everything, but just gratitude for this moment. Like, everything in this moment is okay. Yeah. And I'm just going to feel that for a second. Yeah. If you can kind of get into the habit of doing that, the theory that I have is that over time, you'll start to get more comfortable in that space. That it's not going to – you're not, oh, going to wake up a morning and be like, hey, I'm just grateful all the time for everything, even though you probably should be. You still – it's hard because you have to recondition. It's like – it's like trying to make a U turn in a battleship. Like the boat's not going to just flip around, it right? Just takes well, a there's little a lot, bit of lot going
3: on. It's sort of like the the guy on the couch analogy, which I share a lot. Yeah, it's a it's a recovery analogy, kind of. But the the story goes that uh, you know some guy, newly sober dude, calls a sponsor up, right? And he says, uh, I'm fucked, man. Everything's fucked. I'm you know, everything's like out of control, you know, that my life is shit. I don't know what the fuck I'm gonna do. It's just like it's it's everything is fucked. And the sponsor goes, uh, where are you right now? And the guy says, I'm I'm sitting on my couch. <laughs> and then and then the sponsor goes, So you're a guy on a couch. That's all that's happening right now. Uh-huh. And and see, and then the lesson for me there is what kind of like what you're saying is that ninety-nine percent of what we're reacting to is being Made up sure. by our brain. Yeah, it's not a real thing. No, like right now, like this yeah. is happening, but that's all that's happening. Well, yeah, because you could
1: put another guy on a couch who didn't have those issues, and it'd be like, hey, we're on a couch. Like, yeah, there's and, and,
3: no, and, no, you're on a couch. I'm in trouble. Yeah, <laughs> I'm drowning <laughs> on this, this couch. This is a trouble couch. Yeah, you're on the trouble seat. <laughs> no, but things are all right, man. I, I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, I think it, you
1: know, it's 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 just that uh, you get into these sort of mental cul-de-sacs where you you know so much of your life you're fighting and you're fighting and you're fighting and it's like especially for career and it's like I'm the underdog and I gotta fight and every day I'm gonna go out and punch this tree and sooner or later it's gonna fucking fall over and then one day the tree falls over but you but you're still a fighter and so you're still like ah, I just gotta yeah. keep and so you kind of it, it's sort of weird to go from you know, like underdog punk rock. To like, okay, maybe I don't have to fight all the time.
3: Yeah, you know? I, I wish I could characterize myself as any of those things: underdog <laughs> punk rock or a fighter. But I think that w- or what tree. It, well, I'm driven by a sort of a, a certain amount of panic, and I've accepted the underdog moniker because I, I feel like that sort of is my story at this juncture in my life. But I'm not like my ambition is completely driven by sort of like oh, I gotta yeah, we gotta do the thing. Yeah, it's not. Nice. <laughs> You know, it's never sort of like, I've got a strategy, I'm gonna punch this out. It's like, what if I don't? How come? God damn it. Yeah, that, that's more my disposition. Yeah. yeah. And that's my creativity. If but, I, I don't know if, if the panic goes
0: away, I don't know what's gonna be there. Mark goes away.
3: Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> no,
1: Mark
0: just changes
1: into that's something not, else. Huh? Changes into a guy that sits
3: down, he takes, yeah. it, <laughs> takes it easy, yeah.
2: he looks at things.
1: Well, I mean, I, you know, listen, it, the, if anyone deserves <laughs> the success that you, I mean, it's you worked a really long time, and you you know yeah, you did a really you long did, you time. Did fight. You did fight for it. I didn't think it
3: was going to happen. It's a really we? Long None time. Of us, Yeah, you're right. You're right. None it, of us. When, when the shit hit the fan, I had no other. I had no Plan B. There was no uh, other option. That horrible moment. I have t- talked about it before, where you're like, uh, where you don't have any more Plan Bs, where you ha- you hit the wall, and you're like, fuck, fuck this. I could always, wow. Yeah. There used to be stuff in that folder. <laughs> well, yeah. so
0: the, the three of us were like, at a show at the why, House of Blues.
3: <laughs> Graduate my, school used uh, to be in there, I think. Why, why is my hope chest uh, empty? Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> like Can no, you be
2: in your 40s and start a coffee shop? How yeah. does that work? I, don't, <laughs> I think you have to be in your 40s <laughs> to start a coffee <laughs> yeah, shop, yeah. What, yeah. What did actually. What did
1: you say about the House of Blues?
2: Oh, yeah. Well, I remember the three of us were on a show at the House of Blues Foundation Room. Yeah, I that remember was a that. I think it was the day that that George Carlin was.
3: was I mean to you that day? Um. Probably.
2: All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I no. You were you were uh, to me uh, like Chris was on stage, and that was I think around the time you really started pushing a lot, like more of like talking about stuff you liked on stage. Well, that's that's that was when I first
1: started feeling comfortable on stage. Yeah. It, it wasn't me, that your show? No, no, no it, wasn't it was my some show. I can't uh, remember. The guy I remember, and... but it was a fun. It was a fun. It was room. a fun show. It was yeah. a cool
2: show. But I remember that was that was also the day Carlin died, and yeah. so everyone was kind of like making references to it on stage, mm-hmm. uh, and then like uh, Chris was like talking. I forget what you were talking about. But you were like pacing in the back. You're like nerd stuff, huh? And <laughs> and then like, uh, and, um, and then like uh, we were like we were like in the back area of the bar, like waiting to go on. And like yeah. and that's when you're like it was like. I'm like, hey, how's it going, Mark? And you're like, fucking wife is gone. I don't know what I'm going to do. A fucking radio show is not around. Like, you were just... We're fucking That you. must have
1: been right before the podcast. Then. It was
2: before the podcast, yeah. And, like, I just... Uh, it was one of those things where it's like, you know, when you can't help but feel... Where it's like, say you're, like, really heartbroken. Someone yeah. goes, how you doing? You're like, Ugh. What do you want? Yeah. How, which story? Yeah. yeah I'm okay. But, but not
1: everyone... I mean, it's, you know... We're very fortunate because of what we do that... that we have this therapeutic outlet that ultimately can actually become a career. Like most other people don't, if you're, if you work at a bank and you have those feelings, you may not necessarily have the tools to have that as a creative outlet, but to sort of take all that stuff and focus it into your work is a pretty amazing thing to be able to do. And then
3: after you've been doing it long enough, you're like, I, this is all I do. It was odd because I uh, you know, I've been touring and I've been doing a lot of stuff, you know, promoting the book and trying to, you know, promote the TV show and like, you know, getting ready for all that stuff. But I'm shooting a special in New York uh in two weeks. And I was touring a lot, doing hours, hour and a half shows, and like feeling like you're in that groove. And then like literally I had like three weeks off and from not doing stand up, like doing maybe a couple of short sets, but it was amazing with all the stress that I'm sort of in how quickly that became the only defining thing in my life. Like, there, I within two weeks, I was sort of like, I'm not even funny anymore. I can't, like, I'm not a fucking stand-up. What am I, I'm lying to my, like, by the third week, by the time I went to Boston to do these shows, I'm like, I have no idea whether or not I can even be on stage anymore. <laughs>
1: That's important for young comics to hear you say that because it, you know, just to hear that someone who's been doing comedy uh, and who, in their minds, has figured it out, to hear, like, you still... I mean, it's either comforting or it's horrifying at the same time to be doing comedy for a long time. and still so
3: What the fuck am I doing? Well, that, what it says to me is that that is really the... That is how I define myself. That no matter what else I'm doing, that in my mind, I always have stand-up. Stand-up is what I set out to do. I've always been a stand-up comic. So when everything starts to feel like uh, I'm not it's not so much that I'm insecure, but when you're you're anticipating things and things are about to happen in your life or or life gets a little chaotic or or things are a little overwhelming, like everything is about the stand-up like I know that I, no matter what is going on, I can get on stage and perform, but when you start not doing that for a couple of weeks because you're too busy or whatever, and you start to doubt that, you literally or I'm uh, speaking about myself, I'm like well well, who am I? what do I even do yeah. and then I seem to need to put myself into that panic because the shows that I did do were amazing and I had to do like, I had to deal with the feelings I was having right at that moment publicly and kind of address them and bring that juice to it. It's not a great system. I think it's probably better just to have an act and, (laughs) and, and be okay with the stuff that you've created to share with people as opposed to go up there. Like, you know, and and have your opening line, you know, be like, you know, I don't know if you guys know what's hinging on this set, but I'm in trouble. You know, like it's like it's not a it's not a great to, place to put an audience, and I don't know that I necessarily said that, but there's definitely that feeling for me. And but after I did the three shows, like I was like, all right, I'm back, I'm good, I know who I am. That's what people want to okay. see though,
1: because they have an intimate relationship with you because of the podcast. Right. So they want they want to feel like when they see you on stage. I don't think they want to feel like. Well, these are he's the, pre- these are the prefab jokes that he's set sure. up. Like they want to, they want to experience you as a personality as well as a comedian. So
3: I don't. I think I, think I that's give them fine. That. But I, I'm just saying personally, after I did the shows, I felt like everything was okay. Like I, because I didn't do stand-up, for two and a half, three weeks, like long sets, I didn't know that everything was okay. Yeah. But by the time I did the sets, I was like, all right, I, I know who I am again. I know where I fit in the world. I, I can be all
1: right. I could not agree more because I haven't been able to go on the road because I've been working on the weekends for the past two months. And then immediately someone said, you're not taking a break. And I go, no, no, I'm immediately going on the road because I don't feel right if I'm not. Doing the stand I'm just mad at myself that I didn't that I didn't." I toyed with stand up in college, but I didn't start really until I was 27. I remember. And if it had, if I, 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 if I hadn't gotten lucky and worked for MTV, I would have started sooner. But I just got lazy because I'm like, well, I have a job now. No, so I
3: remember like, when you showed up at Luna, and I think I was very encouraging. I said, "What's he doing here?" Yeah, mm-hmm. to my face. <laughs>
2: yeah. Man. What's he doing here? By he, do you mean me? Yes, he. I, I mean, does you feel that? Like, um, do you feel that you're always trying to make up for that lost time? Because I feel like I, I didn't start doing comedy. Like, I wanted to do comedy out of high school, but I waited a year before I moved away from Hawaii. And then I moved out here, and then I waited another year before starting to go to open mics. And, like, I still, all the time in my head, I'm like, I should be two years ahead of where I'm no, at now. I, I think I wouldn't have – I think – I I don't know if I w-
1: – I'm happy with where I'm at now, and I don't know if I would have followed the – path. like, if I had started comedy when I was really young – I could have fallen into a totally different scene, been a totally different kind of comic, had a totally different experience, and never quit drinking. You know what I mean? Like I, I
3: don't know what would have happened. And so that's I, an interesting alternate reality, Chris, the guy <laughs> who's still drunk and miserable and yeah. not self actualized, but killer, yeah.
2: killing, in co- killing, in comedy and probably and sad. Let's You're not push it. Let's room. not go crazy. I, you know, <laughs>
3: God, we didn't need to assume that part. I like the
2: sadder. Chris, do you so think funny. you would have died if you not if you didn't stop drinking?
1: I don't know, think I would have died. I think I. Well, who
2: knows? Oh, but I uh, would
0: have gotten in the car and driven off. Somebody. No, you. No,
2: I never drove. You never drove oh. drunk. I Believe think
0: what me, happened happened to Chris a of times. would have oh, happened. He
3: would have been uh, so sad. That, you know, people be like, uh, you, you want to talk to him? I, I think that's what would have happened.
1: Yeah, or I would have been hanging out and
3: kind of doing comedy, but not
1: really. And then like, hey, guys. Yeah, and yeah, uh yeah. like, I mean, I was already getting that kind of near the end from people. Yeah, where... you
3: just got a little despondent is what I remember. Just sort of like you were kind of lost.
1: I was. I didn't. I, you weren't I, writing I, much either? No, because I couldn't. I would go on stage. At, and my mind would be blank. Like, yeah. it, I did not... That romantic idea of, like, you
3: got to be fucked up to go on stage, It does not a good long-term plan. I don't know how many people really do that anymore. I mean, there was a time where mm. it, what's happening in the world today, he said, hoping that he had a point, um, <laughs> is there's not a lot of room for that. Because, you know, we live in a... In, I, I think the culture is driven by trolls. And I mean this in the sense that You're you're being eyeballed all the time, no matter what you're doing or where you are. Like back in the day, if you got fucked up and you went on stage and something fucked up happened, all the only people who saw it were the people in that room and other comics are like. And they didn't they didn't bother
1: to call all of their friends or tweet it or
3: take a picture of it or shoot it on on tape or or you have fifty people in the audience going, Well, that wasn't his night. You know, so there's this weird pressure in, in the because of technology that we live in now where you're visible all the time to everybody. On some level. And I think that's really kind of tweaked with people. I I don't think that unless your thing is being fucked up, uh, that you're going to be doing that. It's also very antithetical to how comedy should work.
1: Comedy, I think, is a very intimate experience. And so social media makes a comedy show all of a sudden a global experience. And then everyone who wasn't even there can weigh in. And it's like, yeah, yeah, it wasn't for all of you people. It was for this particular group of people in this experience. Of course you're probably not going to like that joke. You yeah. weren't
3: there. That's not how comedy is supposed to work. Well, I fortunately have cultivated an audience of, of fairly uh, grown-up people and you know fairly respectful people. Like It's very uh, uh, unique that when I do shows, the club owners or the theater owners are always like, your, your crowd is so nice. And they tip well and they're, they seem like grown-ups. I'm like, what are the odds of that, cultivating a grown-up audience that is... That is, like, respectful, and it's I, I couldn't be more grateful about that. They don't that.
0: mind sitting together, because they only bought one ticket.
3: Yeah, there's a bit of that. No little that like a little less of that Yeah, yeah. They, they, well, that happened, where the guy comes up to me and is like, we sold a lot of tickets, but I've never sold more singles. <laughs> <laughs> but so usually funny. what that is, is, like, I know, like, a lot of people can't explain me to, like, I know what happens. Is a guy's like, excited to see yeah. me, because he listens to my show, or he knows my shit, and he's like, uh, how am I going to explain Maren to... My friends yeah. and I, you, fuck it, I'm just gonna go yeah. myself. Yeah. And you, yeah. you, you know why? Why drag somebody into it that might not get it? I don't uh, mind being that guy.
2: I, yeah. That's okay. Can that you I'm come with me it. to my crazy friend's house? Exactly. I just don't want to go by <laughs> myself. Uh, just go by himself.
1: <laughs> but the, I, we got to see three episodes of the show. IFC have seen three episodes of the show, and uh, it's great. Thank it's, you. It's really great, and it, yeah. it really, like you know, especially in the third episode, those uh, it the scenes with you and you and Jud Hirsch who plays your dad. Yeah. Are so they're so well done, but it's definitely I but definitely got the sense of like, oh, I think he's getting some of this shit out. Like Judd Hirsch was basically if you're in therapy and they're like yell at this pillow, like Judd Hirsch was yeah. your pillow.
3: <laughs> well, those that it, I, I'm glad you saw that because that initially made me uncomfortable because the 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 list that the things that I'm arguing with him about yeah. are all real. And, and they happened like that stuff is taken directly from my life. And when I watch it, the the interesting thing about watching it, and I don't have that relationship with my dad anymore, not, uh, verbally, but when I watched it, I was, uh, it it was a little too raw for me in the way where I'm like, Oh my God, that he's a child. Look at him acting like, you know, this is a 49 year old man, you know, demanding his father, you know, make up. For something yeah. that happened when he was 12. And when when I was watching it, I'm like, this is a little <laughs> awkward.
1: <laughs> That's not crazy, though. My dad, who had a horrible relationship with his father... Yeah. My grandfather always had a way of like sneaking something in that would just catch my dad off guard, and he'd be like, "God damn it, you got me again!" Right. And so, uh, you know, my dad would say like, "Oh, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna do this thing at the bowling center." And my grandfather would go, "Ah, you're too fucking stupid to run a business." And my dad would be like, "Why would you, oh, fuck Jesus. you?" Yeah. And so, you know, yeah, my dad. Those little aside. So my dad, my dad would open up and say, "Listen," and this was when my dad was like 60, 64, and my grandfather was yeah. seventy nine or eighty, and he'd say, "You know, when I was a kid, I, I." had this dog and you gave it away and it broke my heart. And my grandfather was like, you pussy. Why didn't you get over that? Like still at that age, my dad was trying, still trying to cover those holes.
3: I just saw my father a week and a half ago and I went out to dinner with him. Uh, Jessica and I went out to dinner with him and his wife and he still like he, he, he hasn't listened to a podcast. Is not. I showed him how you can go to the site. Ugh. You can push play, <laughs> and he hasn't done it like that. But scene, can I get to there from my internet? Exactly. But he's not that stupid. He's yeah. on the internet researching vitamins and you know whack job solutions to his depression every day. He knows how to, <laughs> yeah. to deal with the internet. But he still there's that block. And you after a certain point, you're like you you're just not doing this. There's something wrong with this. But I'm not going to yell at him about it anymore. It's like that scene in the show where he's like, what's a podcast?
0: Yeah. And
1: and I
3: say, well, it's like a, it's like a radio show on the internet. He's like, who's going to listen to
1: that? (laughs) Well, but I love, I love the sort of parallel of like you yelling at your agent who is Brian Palermo, who's a fucking amazing improviser, by the way. Yeah. And, uh, you're yelling at him. You're like, I'm doing this on my own. I'm doing a podcast. And he's like, that's dumb. And then you're standing on your front lawn. Your dad's like, I'm doing my own business. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, you're like, yeah. that's dumb. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you kind of have that moment at the end where you're like, fuck. Yeah. I'm saying all the same shit.
3: I'm glad that red. Yeah, yeah
2: totally yeah. red. <laughs> that's good. That's
3: good. Good. <laughs> totally red. It's very, it's a very nerve, uh, nervous uh, energy I have around. Like, I'm very proud of the show. I think we did an amazing thing. It doesn't look like another show. It, it definitely honors what I do but it not unlike my podcast because of how I do things I put a lot of myself out there in a very genuine way and once it gets bigger yeah. you know you you can feel your heart in it and and people I don't know if they exactly realize it cuz I don't know how much they come in contact with it in this sort of uh, you know ironic and snarky world we live in but there's a lot of me in that thing that is now going to be out like the podcast is one thing you know i can talk and once i put it in the can you know it goes away and people have their 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 reaction to it yeah. and their relationship with me but this is on television there's a lot of other people involved it's a scripted thing but there's a lot of me in that and it's sort of like it's a very vulnerable place to be somehow does
0: it feel more does it feel more personal for you having the television show out there As well it no because like- it's a, it's a, it, it's an interesting thing that
3: where I'm taking stories from my life and I'm sort of tweaking them a yeah. bit because the, the, the weird thing about having a bunch of stories, especially when you're sitting with writers and you go in and like, here are the episodes and like, okay, I got, I got a story for one episode. You know, I date this dominatrix and, and that's all I got. So, you know, because <laughs> life doesn't happen. Life doesn't have the closure that stories should have. There's a, there yeah. you, you've got to sort of bring other things together to sort of build those things out into a story that can you know can run and and a lot of that I wouldn't say it's fictionalized because the emotions are there but you have to do a little something to it because it's a different medium and you are dealing with a scripted thing so it's not like me just talking right. about my feelings on the podcast so there's a lot of other elements there's direction there's the writing there's my ability to act and be funny there's a whole another world that I've I've never done any of that stuff with any consistency. I've had a couple of
2: acting roles, but it was yeah. a big deal. Did you ever have the uh, impulse when writing the stories that you would just be like, "No, that wouldn't happen in my life. Let's not do that because that wouldn't nope, happen." No, yeah,
3: happened. they you know, like I basically it was a very small staff. It was me, uh, Duncan Birmingham and uh, Sievert, Severt and Michael Jammon that were the showrunners. So there's just four of us. Great you, know, names. Do, you know to do yeah, to do 10 episodes. And you, you know how I don't know if people know how this works, you know, you break stories. I came in with about 9 out of the 10 stories um and you kind of you flesh them out together and then you outline them and then you assign people to go write them you know, I wrote two and they wrote two, but and then you bring them back and everybody goes back into them. So it's really a group effort. So when these guys would come up with certain jokes and I'd just be like, there's no way that can come out of my mouth. I can't I'm not going to be able to say it or it's not right for the character. So yeah, there was definitely those conversations around that type of stuff but I have to be careful because, the weird thing about talking about yourself or, or or writing stories about yourself is that you realize how small your life is. Like not everybody's life is huge. And yeah. and and when you really think about your life, especially when you're busy, you're sort of like, Well, I get up, I go to the garage, I go get something to eat, and then I come back here and I <laughs> you know, I tweet for two hours. And then you know, and so <laughs> then for two hours. Right. So then all of a sudden you're like, Well, that doesn't sound like a great episode, really. <laughs> um, all right, well, what if I get a friend, yeah. Andy Kinler and and, and we go together to do the thing. And then I go talk to that girl that I, then all of a sudden you're building out this story. Cause it's amazing that when, when you're being creative or when you're just talking, you know, your life can be sort of sedentary, but when you have to make a TV show, you're like, we've got to get this guy out in the world a little bit. You know, he's got to do some things. You know, a a lot of the stories took place a couple of years ago when I had more time, but, and that's a concern with the podcast too, is that I better start doing things. You know, I should go to a concert or something yeah. to, you know yeah, what I mean? You're right yeah, because you stuff to exactly. say. We kind of we do. We were just because talking about lives the, the, the just... three
2: of us with like, you know, we're, we got to stack up some episodes where it's just the three of us and like, like the three of us haven't hung out like, as friends in a very long time. And that, like, that kind of, like, drops off. Like, well, we why don't we talk about stuff we do together, but we right. don't ever do anything together.
1: Yeah, we were going to record a podcast last night, and we didn't, and we just ended up talking for an hour, and it was really nice. <laughs> yeah, it was really Like, aww. just as friends. Yeah, yeah. Seriously, It's guys. so
2: fucking rare that we get to do that. But I think
1: when you're, it, you know, it must be really interesting when you have sort of a quasi-fictionalized version of yourself, because, because it's television, you basically have to take a sector of your personality and characterize it because that's television. But
3: uh, that's also tricky too, because I don't know how calculating that really, I I know that some people, one of the things that I see is different about me as a performer and as a a comic is that I seem to have gotten into it to sort of become myself. Like I know there's a part of me that lives on stage and there's a a certain muscle that I lock into. But when I was writing these scripts, I played them very earnestly, and I think that as the show evolves and if we do another season, because I'd never acted before and I wasn't really looking at myself as a character, what you see happen is like, well, that's what this guy does. that you, you see that more than more than I calculated it. Sure. I see it now. So I think one of the challenges is sort of looking at these ten episodes, and if we go into a second season to say, "Well, what is it? Where can we put this guy? You know, what are his strong suits? You know, how does he function?" So, sort of building that character or seeing what the character of Mark Marin is in the show is, is, there, is something
0: evolving. Is there a part of you that that will look at a script and go, you know? I personally wouldn't do this, but this Mark would do this. Well, yeah, there was definitely stuff like that. Like, let's put him there, you know,
3: because I can see myself doing that. I'd like to do it. Uh, So let's go ahead and give that a try. Uh, It it was all very exciting like that because all this stuff is very close to the bone, but a lot of it is doing that which mm. is like well you would do the you, know, you could put your character there and i'm like yeah let's go ahead and put him there yeah. and that's sort of interesting yeah. because you know when i meet that's up with gonna the, be odd. that's gonna be weird it, it is <laughs> because i try to be myself as much as possible and uh, at some point you have to realize that everybody acts a certain way in certain situations there's different manifestations different parts of your personality that engage and uh I'm just – at this point after doing 10 episodes, I'm like, god damn, if we can do – like, if we really – there's this – you just want to do more Mm. because I I just want to see what I can – how I can push myself in this medium to do it.
1: Well, I I just – be prepared that – and it's funny that the second episode is about trolls. Because the
2: more you put, I think put that's your the first, first one. The first Is it the first one's the first about episode. trolls? I'm
3: not sure. I know you saw three. I'm not sure what order they're going to happen. Oh, in. Oh, maybe
1: okay. Well, so on, I
2: saw. On it, f- it said one, oh, like see, oh, season one, episode. Okay, one. Okay, so the first one was a
1: Foley, where you go see the trolls. Yeah, Eric Charles, Eric Nelson, Charles <laughs> <and> Eric <laughs> That totally. was based on a true
2: story, but that's a
3: good example. You when You, you, you track. You track someone down. Well, not physically. Okay, but what had happened was, um, you know, that was a way to, to sort of deal with this, and it was interesting because. What had happened was I went to someone else's comment board, yeah, uh, it was um it, let's keep it vague so this guy doesn't get reactivated. A special but, thing
2: <laughs> no it wasn't it wasn't a special thing,
3: but it was a friend of mine who has a, a fairly active message board, and there was a guy on there literally campaigning to to get people to hate me. like he was you know, he's taking parts of my jokes, he was calling me a misogynist and a racist. And like it was it was it seemed to be an active campaign. but did he lie? Yeah, you lied. <laughs> it was an active campaign to get people not to like me. Yeah. He had a real problem with me. So I see his name on this comment board, and I'm like, who is this fucking guy? And I see his, his avatar on, on, the comment, on, on the message board, which was a, uh, a moving avatar, a, yeah, a little guess, moment, yeah, yeah uh, from Punch Drunk Love, right? So I don't know who this guy is. So I go onto Facebook, and I type in his name, and there's a few options. So I go through those options, <laughs> oh, and I find one in his favorite movie, is punch drug love. So I'm like, that's my guy. Mm. So then I start messaging him. I'm like, what exactly is your beef, man? I mean, if you're going to, you know, paraphrase my jokes, don't do, don't, don't take them out of context, put the whole joke down and then make your argument. Like I wanted him to, to be righteous yeah, yeah. about hating me. Like, if you got a reason, don't mischaracterize it. And we ended up going back and forth. Uh, it went on and off for a year. Wow. And you know, and, and then it got kind of ugly because the guy who's message board he was on, you know, knew him as well, and it, and it just got, it got a little bigger. But over the arc of this whole thing, it was interesting. You know, about a year later, he's like, look, you know, I, I'm better now. You know, I was going through something. I think that there were similarities between us. It, it, so we kind of made up and stuff, but it, it did go on. Now, and let me did. ask
1: you this weird question. Do you sort of feel like you're friends with that guy now because you shared this weird emotional experience? Well, I
3: find that if somebody's not just trolling because it's their hobby— You know, you know, I I think that we live in a culture where, you know, people like to do that. They and and they don't realize necessarily that we're humans, that, you know, there's nothing you can do with those guys. But but the guys who are very specific and it seems to be a very personal thing that they're having a problem with are probably more like you than they want. They're they're yelling at you because they see you in them. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And
3: and, and I didn't know if that would come around and I didn't really anticipate that but there was clearly something that we shared.
1: Well, there's also a certain amount of justice I think that's involved with trolling where someone if it's not just the blind, you know, like chaotic evil, let's tear everything down and burn the salt of the earth kind of guys, that they they look at you and they go you're successful, I don't believe you deserve that much success. I really need to tear that down because like they sort of decide Those you,
3: are the you're talking about those are the guys who just want to Troll for
1: no, people. no, no. I think, I think not, not just trolling. Some, some people just want to troll for troll's sake, but other people get yeah, but very I don't even personal. I think that person
0: really exist. I think the, the troll for troll's sake isn't a real thing. I think that, everybody, oh, absolutely, every, they no, do. I think that everybody that's trolling, there's something fucked up with them. Oh, like yeah, like everybody in the internet that's trolling, there's somebody touched them in a weird spot at some point in their life. And this some is why people to just like look, some people just like making fires. I and, don't know. But- and also, like
3: I have a bit of a bully in me, and I think a lot of trolls are bullies, mm-hmm. and they get activated. And they, you know, bullies can push bullies buttons because bullies are generally yeah. very insecure and, and very reactive. Uh, but it, it is sort of profound how anonymously hurtful yep. people can be, and and a, a, it, it's disturbing. And and I try to detach from it, but that whole story unfolded. And I knew that that was a good story, but I I thought when we were writing it, and and I wrote that one, it's sort of like, well, how do we get out in the world? And you're mentioned in that story. I, I we got it, we got <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, it, we got a name. He he's loves like, the nerd. He loves <laughs> the nerds <laughs> Like you listed all the things the guy likes. I was like, hey. <laughs>
1: And I, and I couldn't tell if it was a, if you were I don't know I was, it, yes, I, it was I was a dick. I was delighted nonetheless <laughs> so I'm like hey he said
2: our name yeah. why well, I, I pulled Pete Holmes into an episode <laughs> yeah that wasn't yeah. easy when, ah! what was the uh, oh, uh, when I get a sh- or if I get a show sorry when I get a show yeah <laughs> well no get a I show. I had Pete it'd be exactly who Pete was and yeah it's going to play
3: kind of funny because he did get the show yeah, exactly and uh, and all that stuff with the manager that is that guy is based on my old manager I mean all the 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 ticks are sort of like. Why are you looking at my hair? I mean, that's real stuff. That's hilarious. And uh yeah, but so that's how that kind of built out, the troll story. It well, did the,
1: happen. The trolling's going to get worse because the more you put yourself out there, the bigger the audience. Well, I think it's...
3: that's really what I'm girdering up for. I, I think that, you know, it's it's very easy for me. To, like I seem to respond to, to negativity, you know, and get it really it kind of I don't even want to say I don't even I'm afraid to talk about this right, here right. because, you know, right. but but, uh, you know, it takes a lot for me to kind of detach from it and not, you know, take it personally or react to it. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, when people are saying great things about me, that, I've had people on Twitter go, why don't you respond to the
2: good things?
1: Yeah. Oh, I get that all the Because other
2: comics
3: will make fun of me for only responding to people
2: that well, compliment me. Well, you know, what me.
1: I try What I try to explain to, some, to people sometimes is like, look, as a comic, you're trained to zero in on a heckler or someone who's not having fun because – you, it's just the balance that you're trying to create in the room. And so when you get that in life, you sort of zero in on that person because you're like, all right, I got to fucking figure out how to fi-. It's just,
3: I feel like it's just part of the nature of but what I'm, we do. I'm always so, but even when I'm dealing with a heckler, you know, I want it to be, you know, I want to negotiate with these people. You know, I want, you know, I have that part of my personality where if someone's attacking me, I'm like, well, look, I, I don't like me all the time either. So <laughs> let's see if we can find some common ground here and have an understanding about whether or not this is valid.
2: Do you think, Yeah. do you think for like people that uh, gain more and more fame, is there a point where there's like so much, like there's going to be like a, for a lot of people, there's going to be so much negativity on top of tons more positivity. But it's going to be so much that you just don't even fucking bother anymore. Well, I think that it becomes taxing. Like, I don't have a Google search on my name.
3: I don't go to comment boards, really. My comment board on my site is very limited. And there's even a couple of douchebags there. And I've really learned, not unlike when I interview somebody on the podcast, that if I didn't get what I thought I wanted out of an interview, you know, that's my own business. Because people are going to have a relationship with these things that you. it's not on you to dictate. Look, if someone's pissed off about something, what am I going to be like? Well, I think you're wrong to be angry about that because you didn't <laughs> understand where I was at. It's it's not on me. After some point, yeah. you just have to say, well, that guy's going to be that way. That guy's going to have his feelings, and that you know I got to well, let that and, be. And and I'm also, you. if
1: you go to an article about someone that you already hate just so you can bitch about them, fuck you! Like that mm. is ridiculous. I mean, I don't, you know, um, I, I, for some reason, like a month ago, I just let it go. Like I I don't know what happened. I think I just couldn't bear the... I felt like I was like oh, I am taking myself way too seriously because, you know, I would see in these message boards, I don't mind criticism. I know people aren't going to think I'm funny. I know there are people out there that don't like what I do or they don't like the way I look or whatever, but it's it was just the ones where people would say, like, I hope you fucking die and I can shit on your mom's grave. I'm like, yeah. what is wrong? <laughs> and so it just, at a certain point, I think it was it was kind of right around the mid mid-season of Talking Dead, I would kind of go through tweets during the show and a fucking lot would come in. And one night, you know, I just went. I don't have to do this.
3: Yeah, because
1: yeah. It, there's a lot of support, but then there's a chunk of like, you're the worst fucking. Per-. It's like, and it, and it's a it's a waste of my energy. It's not fair. Like you said to people who are nice to you, and I just thought, for me to get bothered by this, I am I'm becoming a person that I don't want to be, which is that I take myself so seriously that if anyone dares to say anything that i'm like hey you know and i just don't want to be that that,
2: like ryan adams where he fucking like calls people that give him bad reviews or if someone yells brian adams at one of his shows he he gives them back their money and has them leave i (laughs) I think that
3: ultimately the
2: reason why you react to it and and
3: the reason why you know at some point you have to rise above it is it hurts your feelings i mean that you know that that's what they want to do and that's what they do and at some point you have to either deal with your own insecurity around being hurt by vague fucking nameless attacks and shots at you <laughs> and just say like, you know, I don't know that guy. It's you know, one, you know, one tweet is not the entire internet, but for some reason, if a troll is really, uh, y- y- you know, acute, they hit your buttons. I mean, that, that's, that's what you learn in those moments yeah. is like, wow, this guy just tapped into these insecurities that I have. And now, like now, I'm worked up over bullshit. Yeah. Like there was a moment where it, it has to do with bullying. I think. I think so. And, I, and, I I totally agree. And I there was a moment where you know John Stewart and I have had you know had we had issues when I was younger, and I and I did what I did to you earlier to him as well. And, you know, because of my own insecurity, you know, I thought anybody, you know, I was very territorial and very sort of, you know, kind of like, who the fuck are you? What are you doing here? This is, you don't, (laughs) you know, and like, and I bust his balls all the time to a degree that was inappropriate. And at some point, a couple of points, you know, when we were still sort of, uh, you know, trying to have a, a relationship or at least a polite exchange, you know, I walked up to him and I started busting his balls. And he literally said, you know, I don't. Have to take this from you anymore? Wow! Yeah, I, I just I don't have to you know I don't have to do this and 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 it was through my face and it was one of those moments where I'm like uh, yeah
2: yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah like you know that's our he, thing yeah he you, just, he you doesn't, just
1: you just see the little Mac wheel processing uh, like a like you're accessing right, a right,
3: file processing hold on,
2: let me render this information <laughs> and he
3: was right you know and and I, it was a it was a pretty you know powerful moment and I and I realized that. But there is a point where you have to be like, look, especially now, you just, there's no way, you know, that's why I don't engage with it. I'm just trying not to engage. It
1: takes a lot of energy and it's not worth it. And you also don't know the psychological, similar to what you said, you don't know the psychological state of the person who's attacking you. Where they're and, out
2: that day. But yeah.
1: And, you know, because social media is so disposable that someone will react emotionally in a moment and there's a good chance, It'll you know, they might not even feel that way anymore. Sure. Like, oh, fuck, I don't know. I was having a bad day. Right. You That's know? right. But That's then right. you build this whole story because you put them on the same playing field emotionally that you're on where you're like, well, they're probably a reasonable person and they're coming at me with a planned yeah. attack. And yeah. it's like, nah, that was a dumb moment that just happened to be frozen in time because of the way the Internet works.
3: I engaged with a guy recently uh, who, who uh, you know, who I blocked on Twitter. I said something bad about, you know, after he took a shot at me and then I got an email from him. You know, was we're, we're basically one of those like, you know, next time I see you at a show, you're going to wish you didn't do what you did because uh, I'm going to verbally, you know, and I went back and forth with them, And I had this moment where I'm like, you know, look, if I'm your hate muse, you know, <laughs> then I'm I'm glad. Please call your
1: special that. Hate <laughs> muse? That is such a fucking great name.
3: Yeah. Hate muse. Then, you know, there's nothing I can do about it. I'm glad I can help you out in that way. And, but it was also the moment where I realized that mostly it's it's very hack. Trolling is very hack because it's all the same. Att- it's the same button pushing attack mode. They you, they're interchangeable. When you look at emails or tweets from trolls, it, the tone of them is very specific. It's very you know narrow and it's it's hackneyed. Yeah. So that sort of helped me. It's like the you know, trolls <laughs> are hacks. I, I can that's a I can frame it that. You way can you can something.
1: box it up that way and make it okay. A little bit. Well, just I mean you know just try to just know that with the TV show coming.
3: You know, and the, the, the book, man, the book, like, that's a whole other ball of wax. Yeah,
1: More people will read. attack you because of the TV show than the book. Yeah, like because if the someone, book you got to read. The book yeah. you takes effort. If someone buys your book, yeah. they're probably not going to buy the book going, I can't wait to read this yeah. so I can <sighs> unload. You know, yeah, like, that's true. You're
3: yeah. invested. True. Television <laughs> show. It's just out there. Just out there. Yeah. There's some live twirl tweeting. Yeah. <laughs> and
1: you'll get a lot of support. And then, you know, in the beginning, you'll get more trolls because those people are just discovering the show. But they'll shake off and, you know, like,
3: just don't. Okay, Chris. <laughs> thanks, buddy. <laughs> thanks, thanks for through, talking me through I've it I've been through it so many times. <laughs> yeah, I know. I've been through it so many times. <laughs> and, th-
0: and they go away. Like, they get bored. They like, okay, they said their piece in Sometimes the beginning. Though, and if
1: you
3: get... react to them, they won.
2: Yeah, of course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But of they course, hate you
0: sometimes like sometimes you're in a spot where you're like, That's eh. the thing, it's and always when, it's when you're like, in a spot. Ah, there's someone yeah. who
2: can go, Fuck you, fuck you, and then there's other ones like, No, <laughs>
3: no, no I can't, no. Not they know that.
2: I let me. this one go, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you get mad at
1: yourself because you're like, You get mad because you recognize your own insecurities and you go, God damn it, I yeah. should be
3: better, I should be farther uh, along than this. What's well, weird, my biggest worries initially with the show and, and, with, and with the book, too, were not so much that. I mean, you, know, I, I'm sort of getting better with that and I, and I think'm I'm, I'm okay in, in terms of detaching from that and actually feeling pride and excitement about what's going on. But you know, when you write a book of memoirs and you do what I do, what I got more concerned about with the show was like, how is my old man gonna react? You know what, you know, like did you know how's my chick gonna, you know deal with some of this stuff? And there's negotiations around that stuff too. I mean, it was interesting when I was writing the book. And like literally right before I went into the final edit, you know, there was an essay that I'd written about my relationship and I knew that I had to get her to sign off on it and to read it. And and she read it. And this was like a big life lesson for me, you know, being sort of self-centered and doing what I do that she read this and she's like this is like this I don't like the way the, the this characterizes me and and you kind of let yourself off the hook and this is completely biased to you and you think you're 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 over you, you think that you're being diplomatic but you know you clearly you're not and, and and it was like days before I had to turn the manuscript in and I'm like so uh wait so no you know like and uh, <laughs> But she was right. Isn't like, that a weird feeling when you you can and,
1: and it kind of scares me about my own brain sometimes when I can be so sure that I'm right about something and like how can you not see this point that I'm trying to make? Right. And then you get a little bit of distance from it and you're and then you go, How did I think I was had this bulletproof defense
3: the right, whole time? Right. That's
1: really kind of scary. Yeah, yeah, no,
3: that was exactly the moment because I mean I listened to her and I'm like, holy shit, you know, she's right. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I should have been more considerate, and, it's, and then you sort of ask yourself, "Well, well am I censoring myself because my chick? You know, it's just, it's, it's, who's who's wearing the pants around here?" And then you start realizing, like, "Well, it doesn't matter if you still want to, you know, be with her." Maybe. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, but, you can do whatever you want. They're just kind right, of the but emotionally, I mean, I think she was right, and you know, and I ended up, you know, writing a newer essay that was a better essay about our relationship, and and uh, and also there's there's parts of the show and the book that. You know, these are things that you know we've already worked through. That's the weirdest thing about writing memoirs. Like, you know, if I'm going to talk about my my marriages, you know, those scabs are kind of they're kind of healed up now. Yeah. But when you're doing memoir, you're like, I'm just going to pick at that one, <laughs> you know, because you really have no choice. So it it was it was kind of uh, difficult to kind of make decisions around talking about my life when because there's other people involved in your life and how's it going to affect those people. So my parents, I I, I dealt with my mom. You know, I told I told her the, how she's in the book, and yeah. she's like, "Oh, I don't care," and I'm like, "Great." Because, you know, it was what it was. But my dad, you know, I'm still like, it's still a little unclear how that's going to go. But uh, you, after a certain point, it's like, well, you know, I won. <laughs> <laughs> Write your own book, buddy.
1: Well, you could sort of frame it like, this is going to be really great for that business you want to start. You yeah. know, like people are going to hear about you. Sure, man. Like You're just, the
3: guy. Nope. You're, yeah, a- yeah. Any press <laughs> is good press. Sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but like that was, uh, the book is very personal, too. And it, like, I, I guess this is. This is the yeah, you know, the rewards of doing what I'm doing, but like it's still I feel like I have so much on the line personally. It's which is so funny
1: because it's not like you've stepped out of the shadows. Like you you've been very open right about yourself no, that's true. for the last there's,
3: there's no big it, there'll be surprises in that, you know, some of the stories go a little deeper than you know, I talk about. And I think with writing you get a little more you can go deeper and you can, you know, paint a different picture and, and be a little more thorough about it. But, yeah, uh, I, I do know that people know a lot about me already and they, they have their relationship with me. There might be a couple of surprises. Yeah, there's a few surprises in the book and in the show, I think, for some people, you, you know, because, you know, when you talk publicly enough, which you do as well, even though you're being as honest as you want to be. And even if you're overly honest, they still have the relationship. They still think what they think you are. They, they still have the idea of who you are in their head, you're. They have the mark that they've decided you are sure. in their head, and there's always going to be a little something that you throw in there. Like, well, the mark that I have in my head wouldn't <laughs> do that. <laughs> I really do yeah, but, have but, this but, experience. Yeah. yeah, no, but the real mark did that. So <laughs> you might want to update or, or broaden your Keep your, marks in line. your conception. Of well, marks, that's been you know? the most
1: challenging. It's been the most. Well, by the way, are you are you dating Jessica Makinson? No. Oh, I thought you said you went out with Jessica.
3: Jessica, my girlfriend.
1: Oh, different yeah. Jessica. Yeah. Oh, because I saw Jessica Makinson in the pile in, in one of the episodes. Plays the in, ex-wife. Yeah, plays the ex-wife.
3: Oh no no no. Yeah. Okay, yeah, different Jessica.
1: Yeah, yeah. No no. Um, because I haven't really seen you know I never see anyone socially anymore really. Cause... I think
3: we I ran into you with uh with your girl. Uh, that was a, that was a bad moment. It was outside of uh, the Mohawk. Yeah,
1: right, right, right you on you know, that Sunset. And,
3: and we had just had some sort of fight, and she was across the street. And I, and you were like, "Hey, how's it <laughs> going?" I'm like, "Well, you know, right now, good to see you. Hello." It didn't and, come off that way. No, I'm very good at you, hiding you,
1: that. It, yeah. it, it came. <laughs> it, it came off. You. I'll be honest. You came off a little. You were you seemed a little shell shocked, but not aggressive. Yeah, you were just like, like hey. I had an
2: angry girlfriend in the car. <laughs> you know oh, when yeah. I was across the right. street. Yeah, sitting you know, in the this yeah. laundromat right now, crying. The, the angriest girlfriend is always across the street. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah.
0: The best time to run into people. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah,
3: yeah. but like I'm such a like you know it's it, relationships. We're doing really well right now, and and things are going very well. And then you know there are those moments where things just uh, you know get a little hairy. <laughs> that was <laughs> that was one yeah. of those moments and it was my fault. I'll
2: take it. I'll take the hit. That's the new mark.
1: But I was saying what uh, what you were saying before about the audience has this idea of what, what you should be is that, um, you know, like I, I know that uh, my, my my stuff is is personal on stage, but it's not like I'm not digging super deep as far as like, you know, yeah. really talking about anxiety or weird, or things that, you know, like I graze across it and I talk about things that I like and I sort of... Talk about a lot of third-party things. and God, I wish I could do more third-party When stuff. I start trying to do more like this is my real yeah, feelings yeah. about stuff, yeah. it sort of puts people off. And I, and I just attribute that to <laughs> I have not evolved the tool set yet to do what you're able to do, which is to still present those Things in a way that's entertaining
3: to certain people. I mean, there's always the, the risk of doing it that way is always that there's going to be people that might like you. Otherwise, Who are like, you know, he's a little needy, a little too much uh, information, a little too much information. Not my idea of a night out, whatever that guy's going through. I have problems. I don't need to hear about your fucking problems. Sometimes, well, that's the trick: is that like, how general are your problems? And and I think that's relative to to the type of audience you build. That if you're speaking personally, like you know, I, Mark Marin, went through this. It's a little weird. Maybe some of you can relate to it. As opposed to like, hey, don't we all? Yeah, Yeah, it's a very different style of comedy. If you're looking to bond with people by sharing your personal experience specifically, no matter how peculiar that is, there will be people that relate to it. But there's also a general way to do. It's like that standard sort of hackneyed, like men are like this, women are like this, right? that there are some truths sure. to those, you know, maybe hackneyed premises, but the reason that they're still popular is there are truth to them. But if you're living an unusual life or you have an unusual brain, but you're still a person, but you're speaking personally, you're, you're going to have a smaller audience, but the depth of what your experiences that they relate to is going to be a deeper bond. Yeah. They're not looking to you to sort of speak in generalities and find relief in your generalities. They're looking to to you to sort of, so they can have a little light on their struggle, which is is specific. It's just a different, and I think that the the world we live in, in terms of finding our audience, it's a little we're a little more able to do that.
1: Yeah, yeah. But to
3: be a mainstream act, uh, you have to be a little more general, general more broader,
1: and and know. at least or at least start general and then kind of pull people in. But you know, like right around the time that I started, like you mentioned, when I started talking about. The nerd stuff and the shit that I was into, and I would go perform in mainstream clubs for papered rooms, basically, because I couldn't draw anyone.
3: Papered rooms are the worst. (laughs)
1: So bad. And so, I mean, it's good to have to go through it, but you don't want it forever. They just don't care. They don't. It's very disposable to them. They got free tickets. They don't give a shit. They fucking throw peanuts at you. Yeah. And uh, and people after the shows would be like, you don't look like a nerd. And I'm like, I'm talking about things that I love. Who are you to tell me that I'm what I am? Yeah. And I and I feel that a little bit now when I start wanting to tell more emotional stuff.
3: It's so sad that that's really the biggest struggle that you have on a day to day basis <laughs> is people questioning your nerd credibility. I mean,
1: they don't do it anymore that much. So I, I did it. I'm sorry. No, I don't. Yeah. Care. I, I listen. I, but I seriously, I, I don't buy it. I know. I know, <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm kidding. <you>. I, I, <laughs> uh, kind of. <kinda. laughs> Even when, uh, but that's fair. It's fair. It's fair well, for you to just, think you've, that. You've,
3: you've, you've, I think you've proven to everyone. No, that you know.
1: I think, especially now, with as which is mu- with as much of a, a of a buzzword as kind of like the nerd thing is that it's it's natural and it's right to be suspicious about who's authentic and who's just trying to sell you a bill of goods. Yeah. You know, like I I I I don't blame anyone yeah, the, for questioning the difference it.
3: between authentic and you don't need those glasses.
1: Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly, <laughs> exactly. I, I I I I think it's the nature. I think the right people are questioning stuff, and that there's nothing wrong with it. Yeah,
3: like, those are – these are not life yeah, – this is not – these aren't questions that, you know, the, the future of civilization hinges on. I only, like, I only <laughs> get really disappointed, though,
1: when people – like, when the sort of, like, the nerd-on-nerd nerd violence happens, and, it, and someone's what like – What is that like? That's like, like – Are you just talking about when the guy stabbed that guy at the Harry Potter panel? <laughs> well, there's that. Oh. But I also mean when people call out, you know, and they go, this person – Hey everyone, that person didn't do. You know, if someone's trying to sort of help expand the community in a positive way, then fucking don't try to tell everyone. The nerd community? Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, because uh, yeah. people get mad. Like the Comic Con's gotten so become a pop culture con. It's,
3: it's so weird to me that like you like I, I'm so I'm I'm so not a nerd, but I'm not anything really. You know, like I I was always sort of a loner guy, but like the the whole like I wouldn't even know what to do with Comic Con. Really. To, I I honestly like, you know, like I've tried to examine my obsessions and tried because I think that being a nerd requires a a sort of committed obsession over many years to to specific things, you know, whether they're they're comic books or whatever, sci fi or just an an engagement in certain behaviors and, and entertainment ideas that like I look at my comic book experience. And this is just I'm just speaking in a general way. Like there was a there was a window of time. That uh, I, I didn't grow up reading comics, but when Hellblazer and Sandman came out, I got very into them. I was into underground comics, but it stopped. Like at some point, it was like I was walking out of a comic book store with twelve comics, and I'm like, "This is exhausting me." <laughs> yeah, and 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 it was over. And I have two boxes of of, of comics, and I you know I was into Swamp Thing. Hellblazer, Sandman, and some off the grid ones. And I have those. I have one, I've the yeah. first Sandman, but it just, it was like I moved through it. Like it did not stick. And anything that I get obsessed with, I generally move through it. I don't make a life out of it. So, in terms of like Comic Con and a community and that stuff, I wish on some level that I, I would know what to do there, but I don't go out all that much. And I would get there and I'd be like, I, why, what am I doing here? What happened? I don't know. Like, I look at your, when I'm festering over iTunes, I look at your guests, and and five or six times, five five or six, I swear to five out of ten times, like, I can't even be jealous of you because I don't know who the fuck you're talking to. Man. Like, I'm like, who the hell is that guy? And then I, I look at either. the information, I'm like, there, I would never even know what to say to that person. <laughs> I'm glad
1: you brought that up. I, I, I never get jealous of guests because I just don't, and I've been jealous twice in the past two months of you. You had Michael Keaton and yeah. Dick Van Dyke, and and you you released Dick Van Dyke the same day that we 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 released Lily Tomlin. Yeah, and I was so excited about that. And someone was like, Mark had uh, Dick Van Dyke, and I was like,
2: What? Yeah. Oh <laughs> man, dumb fucking Lily Tomlin. But that I didn't idea. even I didn't the even joy
0: in Mark's face. As you it, saying, but it that wasn't even
3: just... like a. I'd love to. I had that feeling with with Lily Tomlin with your show. And like, quite honestly, when I got Mel Brooks, um, you know, I, and I was joking about it on stage, I had to listen to your Mel Brooks interview. Which was good. You oh, know. that's nice. And, and, and but you know, but I was listening to a lot because I knew I was dealing with a guy that's very used to telling the same the stories. The same stories, right. of course. So I really needed to get around that. But it, it's it's weird uh, when we all share guests. But but it, it always is a different interview. It's
1: fun, and that that's exactly. I mean, the, the idea with the podcast: if someone says like, "Well, if someone's on one show, I can't listen to another show," it's like, "Yeah, you could." It's like saying you could only ever watch one comedian. Like someone could do your show the same day that they did mine and people could get two different halves of that person. Because you're
3: talking about what's like what's happening now. It's that these are conversations that are happening in a moment. You don't know really where they're going to go. And to sort of make general assumptions about people, especially that have had. Uh, careers like Lily Tomlin or Dick Van Dyke or any of these people in, in relation to one conversation, like, well, they're now, I'm not going to listen to the other one. Right. Well then, you you know, then that's the kind of person you are that says more about you than it does about, you know, the interviews, yeah. because you, these all podcasts are, the reason they're great is that they, they just have their moments in time. They're an hour of someone's life and however anyone's going to drive that conversation is really up to that person. And they're going to be different. And I don't get, and, and,
1: and, you know, I don't get, uh, I don't stew about it. I kind of feel like, oh, fuck. And then I go and then it's kind of like, ah, good for him, the son of a bitch, because it makes me (laughs) it makes me work harder to try to get, you know, to, to try to make my show better. Like, I feel like there's I feel like there is competition that is healthy. There's competition that's dangerous, but there's competition that's healthy. That's like, you know, you keep your show. You keep me on my game because I feel like, oh, I can't. I have right. to make sure that, you know, we're right. putting up a quality show, but there are guests that, that we've been offered that, um, they, they, I heard, uh, that they were going to go on your show. And I honestly thought Mark's going to do a better interview with this particular guest, like uh-huh. Billy Bragg was someone they were like, do oh, yeah, do you usually, want, yeah, yeah, do you want Billy Bragg on the show? And I was like, and they said, he's going to do Mark. And I go. You know what? Normally I would say I don't mind doing both, but I think Mark's going to do the better interview with Billy Bragg. So I just I was like, why? why? I just kind of felt like I'm not going to bother. And It was good. I'm sure it was. But, but also, like, you know, <laughs> we do you
3: know, we, we're really we do different things. And I think all of us do different things, despite, you know, people saying that they're doing my show, um, like out loud, other <laughs> podcasters saying that I'm doing Mark's show uh, in my version. But you know he's okay too. But I uh, laser. But uh, <laughs> and, and he loves any sort of attention. But um, but the thing is, is like with me, I don't feel the 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 competition in as much as like I'm only do like my show is specific to yeah, it's my it's my garage. These are candid conversations, and and I have to fight the competition thing because it took me a long time to realize that my conversations with anybody are going to be different than anyone else's, but I do get jealous of, uh, you know, booking because booking's tricky and, 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 you know, getting people is still tricky. Yeah. And yeah, like sometimes it's sort of like, well, is there a window? How can I talk to that person? But now lately I've just been doing interviews that, uh, that just you know, with people that maybe nobody really knows or people that uh, have been off the grid for a while. I mean, I get, well, sometimes I get opportunities with musicians because I seem to do okay with them. Yeah. And I, I'm like, I don't know, that would be interesting. Like, I had Huey Lewis on. What? Yeah. And he hasn't been on yet. I haven't put it up yet. Oh. But well, what about, you about the news? Yeah, huh? What about the news? No, the news weren't there. Fuck that. Then. But they're always close. Oh my spot. God, <laughs> Andy Kindler's joke of Huey
1: Lewis and oh, yeah, what yeah, else yeah, is yeah, in yeah. the news? What else is in the news? <laughs> That's Huey Lewis if he <laughs> yeah. was a comic.
3: But like, for me, <laughs> Like, <laughs> yeah, it is funny. <laughs> one of, one uh, of the things you know. Another thing Andy said once. Uh, so I really, no, not. I love Andy. But one of the things that I've been finding that I'm fascinated with, only because maybe it's my age, is that you have these people that had a tremendous, you know, cultural significance, you know, in a in a in a brief period of time. That you know, I, I had to, I interviewed Thomas Dolby because it was offered. He's to me. awesome. Yeah, and and but like, am I am I a huge fan? Am I nerding out on it? Like Huey Lewis too. With musicians, it's tricky because you get guys that have been doing music for twenty years, and you you listen to three of the records, you love them, but you yeah. enter a conversation knowing that they did twelve other ones. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I uh-huh. interviewed John Cale recently, and that was very intimidating, uh, and it, it got it, it was tricky. Yeah. But but what I've become fascinated with is that when people fall off the radar the cultural radar you, in your brain you're like what happened to that guy well yeah. i'll tell you what they 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 kept working and yeah. there's a real good chance that they they've been doing the best work they've ever done in the last 5 years and that's 20 years from when they were relevant yeah, yeah. and there's a there's a sort of uh, a a sadness but a, a respect that's That's owed there is that because of the way the 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 culture machine works is that if people are making a bunch of people money and making hits, you know that's when they're relevant. But then you know after those three years, it's like people just assume like, well, they fell off the map. It's got to be a sad story, and usually it's not. Usually they're they're doing amazing things that no that a very limited audience is going to take in anymore, and it's it's sort of heartbreaking. And I've become sort of fascinated with that. What do those people do for you know for the rest of their life? Yeah. And and talking to them about that uh, it, because they, if they're big enough, they do have a, a loyal fan base, and they've probably made plenty of money, and they're probably okay. But it must be sort of uh, difficult to be an artist who was relevant for a short period of time, and then all of a sudden, you know, the spotlight goes away. And how do you not just become a nostalgia act, or only significant to you know the the core group of people that right. like you? Well, how do you maintain that hits? That hits. I
1: feel like that hits our type of person more in the heart than most people because we're Comics. performers. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, you know, you you, you can't – I mean, I feel like we have this sort of mutant power that we can go perform even if the rest of the business says, like, we're not going to hire you. But people still have to show up for you to really be able well, to go was, on the it road. Was one of
3: the reasons why I was so intent on interviewing Robin is that the reason I interviewed Robin – you know more than anything else was I got tired of hearing twenty year olds say nah Robin Williams is a hack and a thief and I was like, what are you fucking even if you don't like the guy, he did everything that you want to do mm-hmm. and he did it better than like he was a stand-up. he did television. he's had a career in movies for your entire lifetime yeah. and you're gonna sit there and go damn <laughs> fuck that guy yeah, and up, what, his,
1: his, his, his yeah. career his career is pretty remarkable like he was, Like just blew everyone else off the stage. Then that the sitcom was huge, and then and then went into like. It was very plausible that even just after the sitcom, no it's like, done what he's done. never going to no work again. Done. And it's like, oh, he's doing
3: dramatic roles. And he's doing, like, he's he's not just, the, I mean, it's really hard to do that. And it's just fascinating to talk to these dudes that have been around a long time and are not necessarily, you know, bitter, but still doing, you know, great work. It, like, I, I've, it, I've become a little obsessed with it, actually. Uh, and it was pretty amazing talking to Mel because you know Mel Brooks is a guy that like he's had two and three careers that like out of nowhere you, you know the producers becomes this thing and he never stops working and everyone remembers him for how they want to remember him but that's a guy that's never stopped producing things yeah.
1: yeah it's fascinating to me and he's not done and and like the way that you the way that he talks he's not done
3: no he's yeah he just keeps going he's one of those guys he needs to keep going yeah well, you it, know it,
2: they... it brings up the point of like like how do you how does one define success is it like people right. knowing who you are is it doing what you want to do right. is it like you know is it making a ton of money you know because you could say like someone on a sitcom say they just made a bunch of money on a sitcom like in the 70s and 80s or whatever and like and they just haven't worked yet like since but they're still like living a comfortable life and they're still very happy with themselves are you are they successful well no one knows who they are anymore but are they still successful i think if you're happy that's, well the, that's, that's the one the thing, thing that's what it yeah. should be i think well,
3: the, well, the one thing you hear with people like mel brooks and and even sort of like there are people that, that i don't remember which friend of mine said it but, like you we both interviewed Grohl, and there's there are some people in the world where you really get the feeling that they won life and that, you know, and their disposition reads that way. It's yeah. like, yeah, they keep working. But there's sort of like, yeah, like, what have I got to? What what am I going to be mad about? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm
2: I'm living, yeah, you know, I'm doing what I want to do. I'm doing it well, and I'm living a good life. And that's the interesting thing. Like, you know, Dave Grohl didn't have to start another band. Like, cr- clearly, Chris Novoselic just decided like go do other. I'm things. good. Yeah. yeah, he's like, I'm good. I can live the rest of my life off of Nevermind, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Dave Grohl continued to he like to him success was continuing to just be creative and make things. I,
1: I think I think the important thing is. To, and this, there's not really a dollar value on this, but I think as long as you're pursuing stuff that you genuinely care about and working around people that you genuinely like and that can somehow sustain itself, yeah. then, then you're successful. Like it's, then you've got to believe it. Then you, you, if you don't have to take jobs that you don't want, that's the ultimate success
3: yeah yeah that's good yeah
1: that that was sort of my thing what you want to do yeah exactly it's like like you know at you know again going to the comic brain thing who knows how long it'll last but but i but kind of realizing like oh yeah if i take a job now it's because i want to work on it and if i don't take something it's because i realize like i don't want to do that i don't want to do that at all and i'm so i'm not going to do it like that's that a, to me is a tremendous gift. It's a great feeling to it's have. A, it's, a, <laughs> a,
2: it's a great feeling to be like, nah. Yeah. Because i just being able to say no.
1: I've taken more, you know, in the 18 years that I've been working, I've taken more than enough jobs where I was like, well, I could probably find a way in this emotionally, and you yeah. know, it's gonna help me all right. not have to worry
0: about money for six months. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like yeah. For me
2: to say no to like something someone would really want. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and then I like, like
0: ships and I like mates. I mean, <laughs> I, uh, I can't just yeah. That it. was that
1: was a survival job. <laughs> uh, yeah, I always, yeah. I
3: always, yeah, I did some of those. I hosted a game show once, which they didn't didn't really pick up any traction. Thank God. That when VH One did the American version of Nevermind the Buzzcocks. Oh right. Yeah, I shot like twelve of those. It saved me. I was broke. One of the version of bankruptcy. And I, I can't say I put my full heart into it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it didn't it didn't pick up. No one no one even saw the fucking thing.
1: But it's really I think the lesson that I keep trying to hammer into people is that, you know, you started a podcast because you were backed up against the wall and the podcast all of a sudden was a true expression of who you were and what you cared about. And then that was the thing that we kept having this idea coming up in the business of like, no, a career is something that someone else gives you and they hire you for it. And you go work at a company and the idea that well, no, it's not, it doesn't have to be that at all. Like, you can just be,
3: and but figuring out who you are and what you want to say is very tricky. Well, it's, it's interesting because, you know, we all got, no matter who the rugged individualist is or no matter how much the, the rebel spirit is in a particular performer, you know, you used to really have to depend on somebody to give you the break. Yeah. Yeah. Someone's got to give you a break to try to make someone else money. And it's it's sort of interesting, like, I just interviewed Phil Henry yesterday, and It's interesting to see these guys who have lived in that world of radio for that long where, you you know, they they've been taken care of on some level. And now, like as you get older, because these opportunities are available now, it's kind of scary for some of them to step out and, and like, you know, I'm going on my own now. Yeah, it's what I always wanted to do. But you get used to that other thing. I think that is the biggest sort of soul fucker in the world is that you get comfortable. Yeah. And you you live with the compromises, which I think everybody has to do to a certain degree at some point in their life or with some element of their life. It's just sort of like, yeah, I mean, I got I got health coverage and that's important. There's a there's a tremendous risk that a lot of people aren't willing to take. And I'm not I'm not so sure it's wrong for them not to take it. But because I had nothing. You know, I was in the position to do that. But I some think you people gotta, you got to get uncomfortable for a little bit. You, it, yeah. Well, if yeah, if you want to grow, you yeah. have
1: to get uncomfortable. But I don't I don't, yeah. think, kind of I don't
3: think I must be growing every day. <laughs> uh,
1: I don't think comfort is so bad. I just think complacency is bad. I yeah. think I think it's OK to be comfortable because you should kind of get to enjoy your life sometimes, but, uh, yeah,
2: it. It. <laughs> it should be all the time. Oh fuck. You're right. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, but
1: we'll it's complacency where you're like, ah, I was just, you
3: know, what is it about the joy thing though? The enjoying thing? Like, is there, cause I always try to figure it out. Like, am I enjoying my life? Do I take the time to enjoy my life? And, and, and I think the only thing that deters me from that is that when you're enjoying your life, then you can't let that part of your brain sneak in that says, so this is it. This is the big payoff.
0: This, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. you, you no, know
2: what no, I mean. We'll like, we'll get to that payoff yeah, one day. Yeah, yeah.
3: yeah. So just I'm enjoying it. We'll but it's is this the? Is this the? Is this yeah. the well, limit? Maybe I should you buy know. another
0: guitar. I, is this yeah. the, exactly? Is this <laughs>
3: the ceiling of enjoyment? Exactly. You know, if you're asking
1: that, you might not be enjoying it. I think yeah. it really is just the. I think it's the being completely in a moment and not in your head. Just like being in a moment and just experiencing it. Yeah. And, and not thinking ahead, not, you know. I, See, that's
3: exactly it to bring it full circle. You know when that happens? When I'm on fucking stage. <laughs> Perfect. And that's why, you know, it coming, you know, in the last few weeks before I did the stand up, that everything started to sort of crumble in my in my mind because i hadn't felt that selflessness you know playing guitar does it too yeah. to a certain degree yeah. but but when you're on stage and you're just directly connected to what's going on right then that's when that happens
1: well and, that, and and you're and you know the fortunate thing is that no one really could unless someone shoots you in the face no one can really ever take that away from you so you'll probably you always be okay well, because, you know, I
0: just, yeah. you know, right. with, just <laughs> with jizz, with jizz. okay, she is better than bullets. <laughs> gun, I think. gun, a jizz gun.
3: Either it's situation, not, it's not coming out of a dick. <laughs> it's like yeah. a
1: super soaker that's filled with. Okay,
3: cum. good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's yeah. That's, that'd be bad, but not hard. <laughs> like a super soaker yeah.
0: fifty or a super soaker two hundred. What are we talking here? The fact that you know the like difference is a problem for me. I've been
1: trying to, I've been trying to sort of implement this thing, and it's difficult. But it's the idea of, 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 um. Uh, learning from the past and and planning for the future, but just trying to live in the present, it's, and it's very challenging sometimes, especially Where when you're. You well, how much of your
3: learning from the past and, and starts with this, you idiot? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, maybe you're fuck change, this up again. Yeah yeah, 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 change the tone of how you look at the past. <laughs> I, I don't have too true. many regrets, you know, uh, and, and you really have to sort of frame it that way. The future thing is a little tricky because. Um, you know, basically, it comes down to, and uh, it's like, how do I, what if 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 shit goes wrong, yeah, or if I get old, which you probably will, you of know, course. if you take care of yourself. Not me, man. Yeah,
2: no, yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, no, not this guy. But am I
3: going to be okay? That's really what you're preparing for when the future comes. It's like, am I going to be okay when you know this all kind of fades? Or, yeah, but listen, am I going to be
2: able to afford to have someone take care of
0: me
1: yeah. when you were 25, yeah. and you probably thought to yourself oh, my God, when I'm 49, I'm going to be a fucking, you know. Yeah. And now at 49, you're probably the best that you've ever been.
0: Yes, So
3: without question.
1: the odds are that when you're 69, there's an equally good chance that you'll be fine.
3: Okay, well, you've uh, been very encouraging, Chris, and I appreciate uh, try that. To i trying to be.
2: If only I could tell myself. <laughs> i i
1: not saying it for you. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I've I've told this story before it's like the you know because I sort of felt like you know when we were both a lot younger that for some for whatever reason you were my natural nemesis that uh, I came to you when I had this drinking problem and I'm like well if I get advice from Mark it's probably going to be real advice because I know he hates me and so when you gave me the checklist of like look if you have a problem with drinking (laughs) someone gave me this and it's I always remember that you go you go look I get something out of this too. This isn't just for you. Like mm. that was so fucking funny to me,
3: but I really, you know, I really appreciated <laughs> it. I was in, yeah. That was, I was told that in early sobriety. It's like, when you help another alcoholic, that's how you stay sober. But you're not supposed to say that. I even <laughs> remember, yeah. I even remember your body
1: language because you weren't even facing me. You were like, there was a sideways thing yeah. where you were like, here, you try this, you know, I don't know. But, you know, but again, it, it was incredibly helpful.
3: Well, this sideways body, well, I'm glad I helped out. It you just was. reminded me, like, I posted this this James Franco interview today or yesterday. I did a live James Franco with him and Harmony Karina. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, but it got really awkward. And you were talking about taking yourself seriously, you know, before? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, like people have started to listen to that thing. They thought I was being condescending. But you know how hard it is to talk to somebody who is really putting all their energy into not being funny or not yeah oh right where where you're sort of like you're just trying to connect and they're just assuming you're fucking with them right so you kind of well carmony kind of does that but james i was like i wanted to talk to him about art and i wanted to sort of like feel him out and i wanted to you know get him comfortable but by the time he got out on stage he saw it was a comedy show and i could feel like i'm 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 having a hard time because i'm gonna have to talk about this on my show
1: you think it probably would have been better to have him in studio and yeah, of in front of Yeah, I think so.
3: But like, but like people were saying that I was giggling at him, but literally I was uncomfortable because he got on stage and he turned his back to me. And I'm like, what's going on? He goes, well, you're pretty close. I'm like, all right, well, I'll move back. You know, it was like that kind oh, of vibe. And, uh, and and it's, it's it, I, I have to, the reason I'm just bringing it up is that like it's very hard to take to, and I don't know if I do this as well, but when somebody is... Taking themselves very seriously, and it may be rightfully so, it's hard to lighten it up. Sure. <laughs> sure. Yeah, uh, it is. And you and you and I feel like um I feel like
1: we've been pretty lucky on this show that it's I mean, the benefit of having an hour to talk to someone is that if you chip away sooner or later, the defenses right. will probably come down. They'll just
3: relax, even if it's for a minute. But being in
1: front of a live audience for yeah, someone yeah. is, is rough if they're not used to that yeah. or if they feel like they could yeah. be attacked on all sides. Yeah, that's true. You know, that's so that true. that's kind of a rough dynamic. But but it, I I he'd probably come back on if you wanted him to come back on and yeah, do maybe. another
3: one. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try to even it out.
1: Who else are, is is there uh, uh who else do you have is there anyone else you have when coming are you up this up? Um well when when's best for you? I'll put it
2: up
3: whenever you want. I don't know, probably the last week of April. Okay. So yeah, just the show and the book uh, cool. is coming out and uh, I don't have my Podcast schedule in front of me. What are your
1: dates for the show and for the book? May
3: 3rd is the premiere of the show, and April 29th, the book comes out. Attempting Normal is the book. Fantastic thanks man good to have you on it's great to see you. i think this is the best one yet
1: i absolutely <laughs> agree i feel like the more of these we do the you know the, the sort closer of the, you
0: two get kind of yeah. I'm, lightening, I'm
1: lightening up man.
0: look for I'm mark's like... next album hate muse <laughs> yeah. oh my god hate yeah, muse yeah. is
1: such a great name thank you man. that's such thanks a great so we'll fucking thing i hate muse do you go back and do you do you go back and pull material out of your podcast at all from oh, riffs yeah. and stuff god damn it what i just i haven't What's what you're trying to do i know i know i because
3: know because i like we we improvise here so yeah. like it, it'd be it'd be i'd be remiss is that how you use that word to not it would be comedically yeah. irresponsible well yeah because like you i talk the i, I talk a... i speak freely and something comes up and i'm like well that, that seems like it could structure well so why yeah. wouldn't i do that and if people are sort of like i heard the story but you didn't really because yeah. i put more work into it i just kind of was flying by the seat of my pants yeah. and now it's a nice kind of like you
2: know like uh like flow of writing when you just start writing and you have yeah. to keep going because like it's a conversation you have to keep talking you have to keep on thinking of stuff it's better that way
1: uh so marin may 3rd and it is it is great i saw three episodes and and, and and judd hirsch and sally kellerman and andy kindler and dennis leary and there's eric a lot charles of charles
2: nielsen eric charles Niel- yes, nielsen who was nielsen. Nielsen.
1: but the way that eric charles nielsen like that the den did i get that right What as a
3: nerd you're nerds. Yeah. That,
2: well, yeah. I mean, they, they were he definitely. He is that guy. He is
1: that. He is. He is definitely that guy. No, but I mean, the vibe of it because
3: I didn't know, but apparently there are sort of like group play. You know, when they're they're they're. they're
1: here's here's what I loved about what you did with them that was not because at first I saw them and my honest reaction was like, oh no, the
3: stereotypical nerds,
1: and they weren't because they were every bit as confrontational with you in person as they were online. <laughs> Whereas I think. A lot of people, if you confront them in person, are like, "Oh, I'm sorry," because they're not used to being confronted physically. Yeah. But they, but you, you painted them in such a way where. They were equally as like you go what you know you wouldn't say that to someone's face and they're like we're saying it to your face now yeah <laughs> yeah like yeah, yeah. you made you made them bullies yeah. and defend and and that I thought that was a really great. Why don't you Go ride a, your
3: your catcraft in your car. Why don't you go ride a <laughs> talk about it? He was really good. So I wanted him to do it too. I'm glad he could.
1: Yeah. So May third, Marin, IFC, and uh, and WTF, which Thanks, is buddy. up uh, Mondays and Thursdays, That's right? Right. Yeah. Fans dot com
0: slash WTF. Yeah. All right, all right. <laughs>